To whom much is given, much is required. Part of that requirement is sharing. Culture is the heartbeat within our lives, and it's at the core of so many things. While we live in a time when we are starving for wisdom, I welcome you to your wisdom retreat at Culture Raises Us. Megan Carl, a.k.a. Meegs, is uh, today's guest. She's the brand executive with over 30-plus years' experience and is a consulting resource for other executives and brands where she provides strategic marketing advice in the consumer product space. Uh, she recently wrote an amazing book that highlights some of the key elements for what I'll call uh, corporate survival tools. Um, but before we have her kind of walk us through her journey and insight, we'll start with our signature question. When you hear culture, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm so happy to be on here, and I've listened to so many of the episodes on Culture Raises Us. I, it, I mean, what a fantastic job you're doing. And so I got to double down on Culture Raises Us. There's a reason that you that you went with that, Absolutely. and and so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my chips on that uh, because it you know when you think about culture, it really it starts to sort of become well, it's this and it's this and it and it really is that thing that that lifts us up, and so then I'm going to, I'm going to raise that and follow the thread down into straight into family. So mm. family really is, is, you know, that place and that heart and that heart and that salve and all those things that I, I identify as my first understanding of culture. Mm. Uh, I'm from Spokane, Washington, you know, small sort of idyllic upbringing. However, my parents were divorced when I was very little. And this is back in the late 60s where this was, you know, whisper. This is like broken family. You know, right. you don't talk about it. We're Catholic. Um, you know, watch the the sort of shame storm of that on my mother. Um, and then, you know, I really was blessed with an incredible, incredible family from grandparents, aunties and uncles, massive amount of cousins who are my dearest friends. And so... I saw and I, you know, unbeknownst to me, I, I sort of started to, to piece these things together that, well, this is our culture. You know, we have my mom who's from Astoria, Oregon. So the food we eat, we get seafood, you know, but but not very often because it's expensive. The music, you know, so the, the, the records, every Saturday morning, re turntable, boom, Frank, Tony, uh, Marvin, uh, Barbara Streisand, Diana Ross. I still remember when she got uh, the Diana Ross album and is is down there hoovering to I'm coming out. You know, just, it, just absolutely. And then my stepdad comes on the scene. He brings his culture. Mm -hmm. And he's from Tucumcari, New Mexico, Route 66, Dust Bowl, Tumbleweeds, right next to Amarillo, Texas. So he's bringing his his culture, his upbringing, his, you know, Tex-Mex, sopapillas, tostadas, all that music, country music, Waylon, Willie, the Charlies, Pride and Rich, Don Williams, all that. And so they just kind of meld this thing as they meld our family. And that for me, I double down on culture all the way. As we talk about workplace, one of my favorite definitions of culture, because I think it really I know when I stumbled upon it, it really made me sit up straighter. And that is that that the culture of a workplace is the is shaped by the worst behavior leaders will tolerate. 
And that mm. to me was an incredible, just sort of like, let me take that in for a minute. So yeah, put, love give, give culture raises on that. us. No, no. I, and so listen, I love the road that you just went down. Had no clue that your music portfolio was so deep and so rich. Love right? that. But so reflective of, you know, just how impactful cultures are and just how influential they can be. But you just made a very powerful statement of a workplace culture being one of, say that one more time. The so it's shaped, it's a it's Grunert and Whitaker. I've got to give them them proper due Maybe. here. Grunert and Whitaker, and it's uh, culture is shaped by the worst behavior leaders will tolerate. And if you think about it, whether it's in the workplace, on a team, in a relationship, association, organization, whatever it is, when you see, you know, a kid's throwing a tantrum on the on the sideline, kid go in, that that coach just told the rest of the team, that is the worst behavior I tolerate, and that will shape our culture from here on out. Oh, well, so then so that I can throw a tantrum or I can be late for practice. I don't have to run lines when you tell me to. So I found that to be, that was that was a moment for me when I stumbled upon that thing. You know, and that's a gem because the way that you broke it down, I was waiting to see how this was going to be the bow on top of the comment, which is so impactful. And it's, and you know, the correlation that you even made or the example you made of the parent, that's immediately where I went, right? In yep. terms of the culture in a household, Yes. with parents and children and what they allow and don't allow. And it's almost like this element of, you just said it, this is going to be tolerated only to this level. And thereafter, there's going to be consequences that take place because this is not something that we are going to support and enable. And that same type of mentality, you're 1000% correct, is evident in corporate cultures or any culture right? for that matter. Right. And it's so interesting because then when you enter, you know, you bring all this wiring and all these experiences with you to to all of these places and not everybody else has the same. Not everybody was blessed with, you know, great grandparents and right. moms and dads. And even if it's the broken family, you know, God, I made I, I made out with great, greatest stepdad greatest you know big dave my stepdad both my parents were teachers big dave was a basketball coach he brought four boys into the family so i already had one older brother and i'm like i'm like four maybe right and all of a sudden i got five older brothers i'm the, i am the true six man off the bench right i'm the true six man aster back in the day <laughs> so so i you know to me it just all it, it just all worked that way but and so then when you enter the workplace you you sort of like well that you know, that's my norm. Oh, that's not your norm. Right. Oh, your, your norm, you come from a place of fear and you come from another, you come from a whole other setup. So now we got to figure out how do we navigate this thing together? together. So, And respectfully, respectfully, yes. right? Yes. Understanding that your way is not necessarily the way for everyone and being open to be educated on the why of other ways and then figure out what the best way is for all moving forward. Right. And that's the yeah. beautiful thing, right? That's where in a virtuous cycle then. Exactly. Right? And we're just, we're popping. Exactly. And so, you know, we had the opportunity of working together at Nike for a very long time. And for many there, that there were, there was always this thought that many people didn't have to deal with some of the challenges that I'll say many of us 
did. And you were one of those people that I assumed didn't have to navigate through some of the challenges of many. And that obviously is not the case as you wrote the book, you know, Walk Away to Win, which explores the theme of leaving these toxic environments. And a great deal of it, I believe, is based on your personal experience, I'm assuming. And can you share some of this personal experience and other observations that kind of led you to this, what I call a very courageous step of walking away? Sure. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm a, I was, I'm a female in a male-dominated organization in a male-dominated industry. So I am going to be faced with certain obstacles um, just from the, you know, from the get-go. Um, and in writing the book, I ended up interviewing know, 40 plus people. Uh, workplace bullying affects 80 million workers in the United States. It actually breaks down to one in two workers. So wow. this thing that is is affecting one in two, and yet it's known as the undiscussable. So nobody wants to talk about it. And you know me well enough to know that I want I want to I want to dive through the portal on that one. That's right. What That's what right. it what is that what what does that mean? Why why is that happening? Who's it happening to? Who's doing it? Um, and so once I you know sort of got got into that place of I didn't allow this to happen to me. This wasn't something that was happening to me because I was doing something wrong or I was asking to be mistreated. Um, I, I also realized I'm not in this alone. There's a whole lot of people across the country that this is, that this is happening to. And then finally, when I sort of figured this was able to shift this idea of winning and defining my own win in terms that made sense to me. Then I was I, I was able to kind of put this book together. And so really those interviews with other people, uh, men, women, non-binary, having those conversations and feeling the energy and the emotion that is still tied to even talking about the mistreatment, the experience that we all shared, that was cathartic for me. It was very hard. You know, number one, it's very hard to write a book. It's a yeah. super heavy lift. I, I, you know, hats off to people who can do this multiple times. But it also just showed me so much about, um, you know, what was happening in the workplace. Name your brand. You know, right. na That's name right. your company, uh, because when we've got those that kind of number, you know, we know this is is happening everywhere. It's prevalent. It sounds like this was also very therapeutic. It was. It was super tough. What the 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 book started out really about this idea around trauma. Mm. I was kind of both fascinated and horrified by how I felt. Um, leaving the place I had worked for nearly 30 years. Right. And what I was very confused by is that it launched me back in time to the worst experience of my life, which was the sudden death of my mother when I was 18 years old. And I could not figure out why. Why does that happen? Why does, you know, no offense, mom, but why do you always have got to be part of everything? You know, why, right. <laughs> why, 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 was I, 
right, right. And just took me out at the knees. And I was having a conversation with my sister-in-law and she happens to be a licensed clinical social worker. And we're doing a Zoom and it's a, it's, we're having a catch up, but it turned into a session. Yeah. And I asked her, I said, why does it have to be about that? Why can't this just be this experience? What, you know, and she said, well, you know, the five stages of grief. I said, yes. Where are the five stages of grief? She said, well, they've added a sixth stage and it's called uh, meaning. And the idea is if you can find meaning in that loss. And I kind of cut her off. I remember saying like, like everything happens for a reason. So I'm not really into that. And she said, no, no, not like, not like that. Just is there a meaning to you with that loss of your mom? Is there, you know, and it, it would have been her mother-in-law. And we sat there and she held space. And I finally, I said, well, the meaning is me. And the meaning is my voice. And the meaning is my voice that my mother nurtured and mm. challenged and built and brought to life and had space for me always. And the meaning is me to use my voice to highlight, elevate, ignite a conversation around workplace bullying so i was able to finally sort of like you know just it's almost just uh, let's just unlock this thing and i was able then to 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 push forward it was that reminder of your why and your voice and and you know when you look at these toxic cultures they can often erode one's sense of self-worth and and value always always And, and and when i look at your journey you exemplify for me the culture of knowing your worth and your value. And as I even hear that story about your mother and the why you always went back to that space, it was a reminder of your voice. During your journey, talk about how you managed to remember your own value and maintain your confidence regardless of these challenging situations. Well, I think my, um, at my core, my value was was always it was there was it was never in question you know even through uh divorce and you got to travel to see your dad you know and sometimes there's some awkwardness and things like that and like i said earlier i think i just you know i hit the lottery on the second marriage stuff that both both my parents and both my parents thankfully were so good about never uh, disparaging the other nice they were friends so much so that when you're little you kind of don't get it like maybe right. dad like, could uh, is it supposed to be this way What's could dad on? move in with big dave and mom and all these brothers and could we just kind of you know i mean it it was like it really was like that and so i think you know i sort of just entered into the world that way and and you know had all all this all this good family support and love and conversation and curiosity and kindness and you know even if you stepped out of line it was like hey let's talk about that you know i uh you know is that is that the way we talk to each other or is that you know and i'm not i'm not saying it was all like unicorns and and puppy dogs and you know i'm living i've got five older brothers so i'm licking my food before i leave the table so they don't eat my food you know we play king of the stairs i am you know i'm I am chucked down the stairs. Right. So I think entering into the workforce and entering into relationships, I I sort of had that, 
But I also had this, this, you know, there was a challenge that came with that, with this incredible loss that had happened. And I think what happened really is I was able to just sort of turn my grief, anger, and sadness into work, into outlook. Mm. You know, I didn't have to talk about it. And I, I joined a company whose values seemed to match mine in terms of, you know, bust your butt, head down, do good work, um, healthy competition. Let's do this together. You know, let's throw ideas up on the board and see what sticks. And then let's support that idea. That's right. Even if it wasn't the one that you thought of, but, that's right. and that's a good one. So I think all of that just helped to, fuel what I what I already was right you know what I'd already been raised with and then I think that when that sort of got uh so very challenged in terms of mistreatment disrespect diminishing behavior both publicly privately overtly covertly I was not ready for it I I did not I just I didn't expect it I was not prepared for it. I didn't understand it. I had, you know, I had worked with um, abrasive, aggressive uh, personalities, you know, whether it's your upbringing and you play sports. Right. I mean, big, big Dave, who's no longer alive. He was, you know, he wasn't John Wooden, you know, he's, he's, you're hearing him from the sidelines. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, that's the household. But I think the thing was, it was never con- it was never conditional. I came, I come from unconditional. It was never if you do this, then right, I right. will love you more. Right, you know. Right. And so then I think what happened is when you meet that sort of, if you do this, then, or if you don't do this, you're kind of garbage. You, you know, your whole, just your, your whole foundation is a little shattered. But you know how to deal with it because you've been dealing with it. And I think there's this there's this additive nature of that kind of you're not yes. enough. It's not enough. You're not fast enough. What it, what the hell are you doing? And that's really from you know the interviews I did. That's really what starts to tear people down. Is is wow once or twice? Hey, you have you had a bad piece of pizza last night for dinner. You're in a bad mood. I got it. But this sort of you know, pattern and it's repeated, um, that starts to really, really break things down. And the fact that I came in with sort of such a strong value system and such a strong idea of my own self-worth and that thing got me is, um, you know, that's still, it, it still, it still leaves me a little speechless. Yeah, no, I'm sure. You know, walk away to win. You also suggest kind of define success on your own terms that you you kind of spoke on a little bit. How did you come to realize that success isn't solely defined by external markers, right? And and what advice do you have for individuals who are struggling to kind of break free from the programming of conventional definitions of success? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting question. And I think, again, be, because I didn't come from external I didn't come from that need mm. it you know winning put food on our table mm. Big Dave gets hired again you know with a winning with a winning season so it's mm-hmm. not like winning what winning was a thing in my house right you got big brothers we are you know we, you're going for 
but it's not um it's not at any cost it's not at all costs it's winning in that great healthy competitive way and it's and it's reaching the hand out to pull that's your opponent that's up right that's right, right. Uh, you know right. You, didn't, you didn't get this one but man you made me better you know that kind of thing so i think I, I just always knew that. And it's, you know, I've got a 19 year old who plays at Gonzaga soccer. My daughter, our daughter's almost 17. She's a volleyball player. We spend a lot of time on that control, what you can control. And, you know, you, you can't be attached to the results. You just can't. Right. Now that doesn't mean that, 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 that doesn't happen all the time. And it did happen. You know, the we drove results hard at the place you and I worked. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew we knew the objective. Uh, we were reverse engineering to get to that objective. Uh, but I think the culture for the bulk of my time there was so similar to to what I brought to what I brought in. Um, and so I think just that idea of getting back to those idea though that those that um, that that what what is conditional to you? What is right. unconditional to you? What does it mean? Um, you know, pr- profit is not a purpose. And so when mm. you start to, when when that, you know, I mean, you can feel yourself. You start to, you know, you're doing this. When profit becomes a purpose, you're, you're, you become a whole different, different person. Thing. It's not That's inspiring. No. It's not motivating. No. Um, it's degrading. transactional. It's very it's transactional. Transactional. Hundred percent. That exact right word. And you know, you talk about the place where we worked, and and you obviously navigated the corporate world at the very highest of levels there. How do you believe, though, that individuals can cultivate this resilience and maintain their sense of self while working within such demanding work environments? Because you even start like it was very demanding. Yeah, the pace. The adrenaline rush, yep. the the you know what we were what we were trying to accomplish. I mean, hey, let's. What do you think about a run a run club? Something? Yeah, let's go do. Let's go build run club. Let's make them digital. Let's you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's we we are creating things. I listened to Drew Greer's at I mean, creating things. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I think um, what we what potentially com- companies get away from where you see these things start to devolve into hostility and toxicity and workplace bullying is it's no longer important or interesting or a priority to actually get to know the people with whom you work. Mm. You know, I want to know you so I understand what makes you tick and what... What do you bring to the table? Wow, that's super cool. I didn't know you, you know, I didn't know you grew up there. I grew up there. Mm-hmm. And you start to find this common language. And that is, to me, that's when we're really cooking so well. And if you think back on your best experiences in the workplace, those are those times when, man, that was cool because I knew, I knew that person across the table from me had my back even if we didn't always agree. That's right. But I knew, wow, Aster and I are gonna, we're gonna we're, we're gonna go out after this. We're gonna go have a spirit and we're gonna continue a, a spirited conversation. That's right. And that's gonna be all good. 
So I think that for me, when those, when those markers start to diminish, when you don't, not, I not only don't know you, I don't want to know you. I don't want to. I, and I don't, I, right. And I don't care about you. And I think, you know, we've seen this in, in beyond where it used to be, we could debate. I could have a, a different opinion and a That's point right. of view that was different from you. Now it feels like, no, not only do I not agree with your point of view, you're just wrong. And now that I part. potentially want to cause you harm. That part. Yeah. But, it, and I, and I, but I, and I associate that to a level of insecurities that a number of leaders bring to the table. Um, and that causes them to react the yeah. way that they do and not create sure. these warm spaces of um, enabling and empowering and wanting to know someone, right? right? Because when you think about it, work environments, that's where you spend the majority of your time. You spend more time at work than you do with your family. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, we might as well create a space where we're welcoming one another so that we can all thrive. But that's not for everyone because yeah. there's a number of people, again, who their insecurities might play a bigger role in how they choose to respond to things, which helps to then create these type of environments, unfortunately. And we've seen, I've seen that firsthand on so, so many levels. And I also look at how, you know, your book discusses this delicate art of recognizing, on the other end, what, when it's time to move on, which is so tough for many of us. No when is when, right? Or no when to say when. And could you provide some insight into the signs that someone might be in a toxic situation, whether in their professional or personal life? Yeah, I, I you know, so interesting. So you talked about enabling and empowering, and the opposite really is is when you get into these situations where it's about fear and intimidation. Yeah. I think one of the, the the best but potentially most difficult things that that we can do when we're in a workplace that we we sort of think like wow this this place has lost the plot and i am mm-hmm. i am feeling it is trying to get outside of get outside of yourself and observe what what are you because when you are the target of workplace bullying you become so insular yeah. and you know, there's a there's a research that was done that over half your day is spent thinking about the bully and how you're going to, to maneuver, maneuver and weave. Right. Oh. So your work product, your work output, you know, completely yeah. drops. So I think one is, can you get outside yourself enough to actually sort of stress test? What is this? Is this a place of enablement and empowerment or? Or am I am I in fearful and intimidating energy? What is what is what is happening around me? Those that I interviewed, my my own experience. Do you feel sick before you go to work? Is Sunday right. night just the the anxiety the, level through the roof? Absolutely. Are are you getting emails on the weekend and and just so paralyzed by how to even respond to them because you want it to be right? Um, you know, are you afraid to speak up anymore? Are you, do you sleep? Um, do you connect in any way to anybody? Are you a good fill in the blank? Are you a good friend, mama, 
spouse, cousin, whatever it is, um, are those things that um, historically would bring you joy and comfort? Do those still bring you joy and comfort? Or are you balled up, you know, under the covers, uh, afraid, sad, confused? Uh, I got to the point, Aster, I could have been walking by you down a hallway and I know you and you know me and I wouldn't be certain that you could actually see me. And I now know that's because my nervous system was in such a state of total free fall. Right. I was dissociating outside of my body. Mm. So I didn't even know if I would be, if I was visible to you. Right. So those are the kinds of things and you cut, you sort of alluded to this. The knowing is the easy, we know. Yeah. We now, know. Now, now it's when you know, what do you now do? So now it's, the follow up right? that is, right. That's the daunting task of walking away from familiarity and, and in some cases security. Right. Absolutely. Now, how, how can individuals prepare themselves mentally and emotionally for that part. Yeah. I think the first thing is to understand that um, you're in a situation that is health harming. Mm -hmm. And step one for me seems to be write it down. Document what has been happening to you. So not only you may need it. That's right. If you decide to seek outside counsel. That's right. Um, and you're going to start to see the patterns. And That's it's right. going to make things clear for you. For me, when I hit rock bottom, by the grace of God, I had an annual physical. Hmm. And my doctor was alarmed by a, by a few things hmm. and then asked me this one question, what's going on at work? And that was it. And I was in a safe place. And I, she asked the right question. I was ready to talk. And I remember when I started to tell her the symptoms I was mm -hmm. experiencing, I don't sleep. I hallucinate. I'm paranoid. I have no energy. I don't want to connect with my family. I feel, you know, I drove to work the other day. I drove, drove into a parking space. I put the car in reverse and drove home. I walked in the house and got under the covers of my bed in my boots, and my coat, wow. you know, that kind of stuff. So to prepare yourself, write it, document it, get your support system locked in. What happens when we are going through pain and difficult times, often what we do is we hide. Right. And we don't want to talk about it. Do the exact opposite. That's right. Talk you know, about it. Talk, talk about, about it. it. Get, get your people around you. Figure out financially how this, how this can work for you. What it, you know, and I interviewed one woman and, and she told me this you know, this story about, well, I thought if I ran my car into the median, I would do the least amount of damage while, while still making, making certain that I, I was no longer here. Jeez. And it would, and yet she still worked at the place that was causing all of this harm to her. And I said to her, well, what is your rock bottom? And, and, and she thought I was sort of being facetious. I said, no, I, I, I mean, really for me, it was going to the doctor because yeah. what I realized is I had put my family at risk. Yeah. 
I put my health at risk, I just put my family at risk. So find, you know, figure out what your, what, what the table looks like for you and then start to get these things lined up and get your support system to help you. Yeah. And part of that support system, uh, I'm thinking leans into the importance of self-care and well-being. And I know you put a great emphasis on that. And how did you prioritize then, you know, this self-care during these pivotal moments uh, of transition? And, and what kind of practices do you recommend to others looking to sustain this well-being during these times of change? You know, it's it's interesting. Our family, when we are going, you know, we're, we're moving right now. So we're in this whole like, ah, hair's on fire and all the stuff. And, and we always, Chris, you know, my husband, we always talk about, okay, master the fundamentals. No big surprise there. Are we sleeping? What's our nutrition like? Are, are we hydrated? Uh, are we laughing? That's are right. we connecting? Are we moving our bodies in any way? So I think like starting with just those basic fundamentals, making sure you're doing those things. I will tell you when I was experiencing, you know, sort of at the lowest point uh, that I was at, I stopped doing all of those things. Wow. You know, I really, uh, I, the things that would have really helped me, I turned away from. I wanted to watch Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to dance it out with Meredith and Christine, uh, you know, and I wanted to hide. So I would, you know, so help yourselves out. And then, you know, after I left, for example, one of, I think one of the best things I did, and I would share this is just, I made myself the CEO of yes. And, mm. and this was an intentional get out and me and Carl, get outside yourself, get, get outside your head. Cause it's playing tricks on you. Um, and serve others like mm. get outside of yourself so people who had invited me to things or needed help historically who stopped asking me because i was too busy in another country not on the same time zone you know too busy too important to help you that's right i'm, I'm all in you need me to you need to you're moving let me help you pack i had a friend going through chemo can i drive you to your sessions can i that's get beautiful. on it can i be part of a meal train What's a, what's a meal train? I, I, right. I don't even know. Could I, could I be on that? Um, can I coach my, my kids CYO volleyball? You know, not because I'm any good at volleyball, but because I just because need a lot. I need, I need life force. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and I love that that's the place that you got to in realizing how to push through this. Um, and the CEO of yes is everything. I love right. That. Yeah. And, you know, your journey also involves transitioning from this corporate career to becoming an author and an advocate, obviously. Has, has this shift also allowed you to kind of further amplify your excellence within the culture of knowing your value? I would, I, I hope so. You know, I hope yeah. so. I think, um, what's really interesting. I, uh, I did this uh, book tour, uh, you know, sort of May, June, did kind of a, a seven city launch. And there was somebody who had a question in the audience of one of the cities and it was a bit confrontational. Mm. And I remember sitting there and listening to it 
And then I responded to it. And for me to answer your question, I guess that was just a moment in time where I felt like, oh, I'm back. That mm. I understood my value in that moment. That it sounds like a very simple example, but it really was meaningful to me because I had been back on my heels for so long right. because of what happened. I no longer believed in my value and my worth. And you knew, you know, that took a lot to shake that mm -hmm. based upon what I've shared with you. Um, I know I wasn't confident. I, to this day, and, and I have clients, you know, I, I coach clients. I have to this day, we talk about like, how do you shake that sort of, um, everybody's out to get you thing that, yeah. that it's like scar tissue, you know? And so you're just, you know, I had something happen with one of my brothers and my brother was like, what? And I said, well, I kind of felt like maybe you were. And, he, and he's like, Jesus, no, it's not what I thought at all. I, right, right. <laughs> he's like, what is, you know, and I'm like, I know. Okay, 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 I got it. So yeah, I think it's, it's time. It's finding your lane. It's finding what your bliss, you know, for right. me, that was, gosh, this, you know, writing the book got me out of bed. You know, that's that's just a true statement. How about that? Well, I, I'm really going to have fun with this question after, you know, learning some more about you from the beginning. The opening scene to your life documentary is about to begin. What song is playing and Ooh. why? Oh, my God. The opening scene to my life. Life documentary. documentary. Ooh, I, you know what? I'm going to go... This is such a, so first of all, I got to say, I do have a playlist for my book. So I'm you should go oh, on, you got to go on Spotify. Love it, that. It takes, uh, it takes some digging because I don't have that many followers. So to all the people listening to this, go on, go on Spotify. That's right. W-A-T-W, uh, walk away to win. So you'll that. find that. And it's weird because I'm going to actually go off script. Uh, because the song that I think would open it is the Gap Band, and I'm going uh, early in the morning, and I got to get up, right? Early in the morning. I love that. And I am, for whatever reason, that song lately, I may I maybe play that every day, and I'm dancing to that thing, and I'm smiling, and I feel like I'm 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 in I'm in again. You know, I'm 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 in that I'm in that place again, but better better i love that i love that so that's the song playing i yeah. love every bit of you it. you know that song i do yeah absolutely um so you know we normally end these with a, a question regarding you know seeds so we often make the correlation to cultivators and culture as like farmers you know we plant these seeds and we water them we nurture them and they blossom into these amazing things or we don't nurture them the way that we should and they turn to something very toxic or not beneficial or just the wrong type of energy. I, I would love for you to share, as, as you've already shared, such great, great insight on a number of things. What, what are three seeds, though, that you'd want to leave with the stewards of culture moving forward as we know the importance of culture and the ability to shape and mold it moving forward? What are three things you would send people away with as the stewards of it moving forward? Well... I'm going to go, I'm going to go simple and I'm going to go alliteration. 
Okay. Um, I, I, I had two routes I, I was thinking about as you were asking, just like so many songs, so many routes, but I'm going to go listen, mm. listen, 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 um, learn, mm. learn, just like learn, um, love, mm. just love. I'm going listen, learn, love. Listen, learn, love. And you know, you, you said a word at the beginning of, you know, basic, but sometimes it's about going back to the basics and the fundamentals and the foundation. I mean, even for you, when you talked about values early in this conversation and you said, I, I never really lost them because they were all based and rooted on the basic foundational principles that I was raised yeah. on. And so when I look at these three L's, it, it all makes sense that yes. this is what you left as the three seeds, right? Yes. Everything about you is true to your core and your foundation. And so I thank you for that. And I don't know if it's a thank you. It's, it's you're, you're being a reflection of who you are by giving that answer and your experience and your reminder for many of, sometimes it is about going back to the basics and the fundamentals. And we're, we're so programmed to think that we're supposed to pull things from all these different places because we have access to so many different things. Right but there's some things that are just fundamentally foundational, basic things that you have access to all the time and you've had access to. And sometimes it's about leaning really heavy into those things. So, and I'm saying this as you just reminded me as well to sometimes go back to the basics. Listen, all about learn, it, learn. Man, right? No, it's all, all about, about it. it. All, all about, about it. it. And I got to tell you that this conversation, for one, I'm, I'm very grateful that you came on. I'm super grateful that we reconnected uh, in the way that we did to highlight not only yourself, but your amazing book and everything that you're doing, because I do think it's a great tool to help so many people. You gave an amazing stat that I had no clue. One out of two people yeah. are dealing with this. So yeah. this is not a company. This, this is a societal. This is way bigger than just one company. This is something that's so widespread. So I'm grateful and thankful that you have created a tool that's gonna help so many people. And I'm here to support to ensure that as many people are aware of it because we all need the tools to continue to push through. Well said, I'm in. Thank, thank you for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to get to connect with you. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you. We truly appreciate your support because it helps us fulfill our mission of promoting cultural awareness and personal development. Please click the subscribe button below to help ensure and solidify our mission.